Paul Gilmore. How Hello. are you doing, sir? I'm very good. You well? I'm absolutely fantastic. Fantastic for having the time with you. Now, that's for sure. Listen, I, I got to know you through your mum. I want to put this into the very beginning. Your mum worked in um, Ulidia, and that's how I got to know your family. So it's not actually through your career. It was much, much earlier. And I just want to go out there and say your mum and dad are incredible. Your mum is an amazing woman. Um, and we always had great fun together working in that school, you know, and I miss those times, her, Joan and Victoria and Olive and, and um, Carmel, you know, all the, they, I always said they ran the school. Your mum definitely ran the school. And you probably realise that at this stage, you know, just a, an amazing woman. So listen, I, I am delighted that you're here working for Sky. Um, I think it, it, as I explained to you, I'm going to interview all of the, the, the sports people from Northern Ireland here and I commentators in sport at different levels. And, and I, I, I see you all as success stories. I think you're a people who young people should aspire to be not just, there's not just, they all want to be the soccer player. They all want to be the rugby player, but they got to understand there's other careers in sport. So you're welcome. Thank you very much for giving me the time. No, not at all. And it's very easy. We talk about inspiration. It's very easy. I think sometimes we have, in Northern Ireland, this underdog mentality sometimes, don't we? And it's um, it's a bit similar to the, the international football team. And Michael O'Neill came in and he changed a bit of that mentality. It's a bit similar to that. We have a habit of thinking of ourselves as underdogs sometimes, but it shouldn't be. It should be, um, you know, we should sort of aim high, strive to to, to go and, and get something beyond underdog, if, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And it's exactly why I'm doing this, to be honest with you. You know, I, I, my vision of always that we do through Sport Chainers Life was always to, to try and raise the aspirations of young people. We have huge success in Carrick-Fergus, where you're from. Huge success, you know, on other places around Belfast, Northern Ireland, you know, and that's that's one of the clear things that we want to drive forward. But listen, anyway, Pat, this is all about you. This is all about you. I want the people to know about you. I want you to give me a wee bit of your background. Give me a wee bit of, don't, not exactly how you get into the sports world, but we'll get to that soon. Tell me a wee bit about yourself. Well, uh, I, I grew up in Carrick, uh, as you know, from uh, any time I called in the Lydia, it was, uh, yeah, it was good to, to say hello. And um, even though I, did, I didn't go to that school, but yeah, I went to Downshire in, in Carrick. And I think, I don't think Downshire is, is a thing anymore. I think they've no, um, it's, it's, merged it's, yeah, with it's right. college. It's Carrick, Carrick. Forget the name of it. Is. <laughs> I can't remember, but yeah, yeah, I, went, yeah. I, I went to Downshire in Carrick and uh, yeah, just... Um, yeah, love love my sport, love football especially. Um, played a lot of football, played a lot of six aside, five aside, um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Started working with BBC in Northern Ireland. Um, quite, I suppose, quite a young age, seventeen. Uh, I did my my first job for them as a freelancer. Uh, before then, it was doing little bits and pieces, even from the age of fifteen, just in that within that industry, just trying to. Uh, uh, you, I don't know if you remember Cara, uh, Castle FM. Yes, I do. I do, I do. A radio station run by run by Citybeat and Stuart Robinson at Citybeat. Stuart Robinson, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, brilliant. Good times. And that was in, obviously, um, you can the giveaways in the name, Castle FM. It was in Carrick, <laughs> in the Degorsi <laughs> Centre. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, all, all of that. Just uh, So, yeah, I had that interest really in sport and then into this broadcast industry from, from an early age. I didn't realise you, I didn't realise you were one of the products of, Carrick FM or yeah, Castle yeah. FM. I didn't realise yeah. that. Yeah, Castle FM. It was um, sort of I started started out just going down answering the phones and 
um, going to the shops for Stuart Robinson, getting him what he wanted. And uh, yeah, it, 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 you go from there really. And it, it's in any industry and when you're, when you're at that age, sort of probably a bit younger, but when you're in, at any sort of age where you're trying to get into an industry, it's good to have as much of an insight into it as possible. So that was good. Yeah, that, good that, background that, to that, it. That wee point there, Paul, is just so important, what you're just making there. And that's exactly why when you think, well, get to where you are now. So you were you were basically, you know, the tea lady. You know, we were going to get the tea, <laughs> going to get the biscuits, you know, yeah. you know, and just doing the odd jobs. And, and you were happy to do that. Yeah, do you know what? I get me and Stuart have this laugh t- to this day that um, they gave me a title and everything. He he ran a competition on Castle FM. I don't know if anybody who listened to Castle FM back in those days. It was there was a competition called the Farmyard Competition, and Stuart used to when he was on air ring up a, a local business in Carrick, and basically if they'd been listening, they would have known that you needed to make a, a farmyard animal noise down, down, the, down the phone live on radio. So he used to say, you've got to moo like you mean it. And uh, they gave me this. So I had the, I was in charge of coming up with all of those things with, you know, coming up the list of businesses and phone numbers. And they called me the farmyard development manager. And <laughs> to this day, we still have a bit of a laugh with that uh, because yeah, it, it's just valuable ways of getting to learn that industry. But yeah. yeah. Uh, I, and yeah, if all the businesses, yeah, the number of farmyard animal impressions we heard. It was great. Great radio. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant, though? That, that, I mean, that's, to me, that... And it's funny, because we're going through something at the minute. Just before this, you know, and I, I had to jump up because I wanted to do this. I, I, we're, trying to, we're trying to help some local businesses find young people to employ them. And, and we're actually seeing a lot of young people now, or a lot of people not wanting to go and do the day-to-day job or the simple jobs or the, the jobs too below them or they don't feel they want to be in that position where they want to, you know, be a, be, a, be a runner for somebody in the business. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to get young people or anybody to, to want to do that at the minute. Yeah, I mean, even that, the industry's changed a lot. So because obviously YouTube, podcasts, things like that, people can do their own and that, that sometimes is is the right thing to do because if it takes off that's it's just another platform to show people what you can do um but and you know for me it was a case of trying to get that work experience somewhere because you try and get a foot in the door and that's the crucial thing no matter what you're doing it's about getting your foot in the door and, and letting people see your so i suppose those values that you can carry hard work commitment you know being reliable somebody who cares about what they're doing no matter what it is and if you can get the if you can show people and people can see those values in you you're in a you're in a good position to sort of work your way up the food chain and in that industry so it, it has changed slightly with the podcasts and and um youtube and stuff like that because you can do so much more but i, I would always be a fan of trying to you know f- some of the more established organizations and trying to uh, if you if that's what your aspiration is to try and find a way to get their attention as well you can do that in many different ways well and in terms of that and that's let me see that and that the base that's the bedrock of sport his life that's what we're trying to do is make people understand so listen you you went from castle fm to bbc how was that transition how was that transition it was it was exciting. It was good. It was because um, the the key thing for me is that all of the Castle FM and the City Beat stuff was, um, I think, more. It was more music. It was more, you know, it was a different. Um, it was just a different genre. Whereas sport was always my interest, so that was always in the back of my mind. I, I wanted to work my way up and do something within sports broadcasting. So with BBC, um, it was it was perfect because 
there was um, the well, the reason I got into it, it was there was a sports commentator competition, young sports commentator of the year, and I went for that. And do you know what I remember that? Yeah, I, I was lucky that. lucky enough to win it, and wow, and that, that sort that. of that's what set me on the way because that got me a sort of foot in the door with the BBC, and they were able to send me out doing some match reports for Radio Ulster and the Sports Sound programme, Brian Johnston, the producer there. Uh, he's no longer with BBC Northern Ireland, but he was he was brilliant. Bobby Carlyle, um, you know, the, he's now a pundit with, on, on Sports Sound, but, you know, former Irish League goalkeeper, um, you know, really top guys who, who, who actually, do you know those sort of genuine people who yeah. want to see others do do well and, and they pass on their wisdom, they pass on, their experience and, and try and help you improve in every way you can. So um, people like that, I, I'll always be thankful for, for my career because, you know, uh, you know, Rod Non, Mark Robson, people like that, because the, you know, Joel Taggart within the BBC, uh, Michael Magna, you could sit here and name, name them all. Names. Yeah. Everyone will have those kind of um, people around them that uh, have helped along, along the way into reaching the career you want to get. So that in those early days, it was a lot of, um, Irish League match reports, and that eventually led to to some radio commentaries as well. And 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 you find once your foot's in the door, you can you can shape your own future and and move within that place of whatever you you want to do. So you're you're able to do that by your actions and your work rate and your work ethic, your passion and determination. Yeah. You know, they're key words, aren't they? And I remember your mom. I remember your mom when when you won that competition. I remember you know being so proud. And you know those those are those are great memories. You know. So tell, tell me, you know, you, tell me about how you got the job now. So you went from there, and then the BBC, obviously doing very well. And we'll love to come back, maybe if we get a chance to talk about the Irish League. It's great to see all the big developments that are going on there. With we're on the doorstep of of um, Glentoran, Larne, all the big investment, Carrick even doing so well in terms of moving forward. You know, how did you get the Sky job? How did that come about? How many years were you at BBC? So the, the the Sky stuff came uh, came around because I initially started as freelance at Sky over over at home, right? And it was it, so I was doing the freelance stuff, and I came to the end of uni, and I, I was just continuing as freelance, and a, and a job came up just as I was leaving uni to cover maternity leave within the BBC Sport Department. So I went for that, and I I think I. I was sort of haven't been doing by this stage. I think I, I was doing the freelance work for a good number of years. So I was, I was sort of quietly confident, but you just never know how job interviews go. Mm. And in the end of it, I didn't get it. Um, but Tom, Thomas Niblock got it. He was doing freelance at the time. And Thomas is a great lad. And yeah. he was, he was working for sky freelance at that moment, but then him moving into the BBC full time, that left a gap with the Sky freelance stuff. So yeah. it was a case of um, a lot of people, I think sometimes, and I've done this myself in the past, and you quickly learn from it, you have a tendency to sit there and think everything just drops into your lap. Well, it doesn't always work like that. So you, you, you sort of have, have to think outside the box a little bit. And um, with with Sky, I knew that they had just taken on the Irish League live games and Rob Hawthorne was commentating on those games at the time. So I remember being in contact, finding the contact for Rob and speaking to him. And he put me in touch with a couple of people within both Sky Sports News and the football department at Sky. So all I did was send off the CV. And, uh, you know, I I was fortunate because I'd been building that CV for a number of years, the whole way through uni and the end of, uh, towards the end of my time at school as well. I was I was doing that stuff for the BBC. So it probably looked quite impressive on a CV for them. And, and, and they 
you know, tried me out on one of the Irish league games and, and it went from there, really. I didn't look back. It's, it's again, another example of once you're, once you do one, you've got that yeah. chance to impress them. So I did a bit of touchline stuff, uh, touchline reporting with the Irish league live team. And it was also at a time when the, the Northern Ireland team was starting to, um, starting to do well. They had yeah. a right deal yeah. for Northern Ireland and, and also Rory McElroy was, was in contention for, for his first major and um in fact that was probably the night that helped me most when he when he won the US Open for the um you know that night uh, special night I I was there live outside Hollywood Golf Club and it was incredible because a lot of his family and friends who didn't make it across were, were there and we interviewed them and it was a real party atmosphere as you can imagine Rory went in this first major and and covering that probably helped the perception within Sky and eventually um believe it or not Jim Boyce helped as well because Jim right. was coming in to be a, a FIFA vice president at that time. And that, that's yeah. obviously a big deal for a, for a channel like Sky Sports News because that was, um, you know, that was a, you know, one of the most powerful voices in, in world football at that time. And, and we know Jimmy loved an interview as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, always yeah, down, that always went down well with him. <laughs> I, think, I think even with some of the stuff you're talking about there, you know, it's just, it's not meant to be easy. It's not meant to be easy, you know. Different things can happen and knock you off your your seat, you know. And th those little bounces around, you know. Thomas getting that job, you know. And as you're right, Thomas is a great guy, and he's one of the people I want to interview in this week's series. You know, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's it to me that those kind of things are so important for people to hear. You have no idea, Paul, how important for people to hear. You know, it's like it's like the story of Conte, Chelsea. <laughs> you know, his story is just amazing. You know, where he came from, where he is now, and you know that that you know, and it, those those type of analogies of of making it the different way is so important. Listen, just want to talk about present. You know, how have you been coping through this crazy time? Oh, it's it's madness. The the industry has like like most places of work, the 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 industry's changed beyond recognition. Almost, it's. I mean, who would have thought? I mean, from from my point of view, nobody would have envisaged sitting in front of a computer screen interviewing the managers, and and I mean it. It had been done in the past with um, Skypes and stuff like that, but it never really, it, it hadn't really taken off until this. We, we were, everyone was forced to do it. So it, it actually helped over lockdown trying to get um, some of the interviews. And, um, it, you know, I'm thinking of people like Antonio Conte agreed to an interview. It was a lot easier to set that up and interview him over lockdown because, you know, he just jumps on a computer and he, he does it. Whereas it, if, if it's in person and all of a sudden you have to fly to Italy where he was at that time, um, logistically it becomes a lot more difficult. And, and so, yeah, I found, I found there were advantages and disadvantages. You will always prefer to be in the company of somebody like that because it's just much better, isn't it? Even right down to the, the camera quality and the sound quality. And it's just a better, I mean, I, I don't know how many times you've watched TV over lockdown and, and are seeing something on social media and the sound isn't quite right, and you're yeah, straining to hear, yeah. and that. So that's and you've the, all this crap in the background. It doesn't look actually appealing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, ex exactly, because it's it does. Everyone's so used to having a well polished, yeah, outcome, and it doesn't happen. But people like Antonio Conte, Kevin Prince, Boateng, all these kind of people, they, they they were happy to speak, and it was. I found it a lot easier to set up because it was just a case of clicking on a link and you're there. Um, but there were still people, thankfully, that um, wanted to do it. Mauricio Pochettino, we did an interview with him um, in North London before he moved to Paris. And it was in, but I think it was just coming towards the end of the first lockdown. So he wanted to, 
uh, I think at that point you weren't allowed indoors, but you could do something outdoors. And and we he want he was really keen to do it outdoors, which which helped because again it's just that you can have a bit of a laugh with him. You can um, speak, you know, in the interview. You could, it's a lot more relaxed. The weather was lovely. I think it was in around about July time. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that um, it's probably it's been a mixture of everything, yeah. uh, even right down to the numbers in the studio. I, I mean, the Sky Sports News studio, you're so used to having, I don't know, at least sixty or seventy people in there. I reckon at an estimate at any one time, and throughout the sort of the, the worst lockdown, that first lockdown, I think that channel was running with six or seven people in the, in the wow. actual studio at, at one time, and obviously people chipping in from home as well. But it was. It was just uh, amazing how everyone adapted to it. Just bizarre, really, just bizarre. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, and please God, we all, we're coming out of it now at this stage. Right, just a wee bit. Any funny stories? I'm conscious of keeping so much of your time. Any any madness or anything that you want to maybe disclose? Maybe there's things you don't want to disclose. Any <laughs> stupid funny stories you can think of that in your experience? Now, I, I'm sure that there's not many past making farmyard animals. And I, my, I guess my question is, did you put that on your CV? Did you make uh, farm, farmyard farm, animals with? The farmyard development manager title didn't didn't make it on the didn't CV. make the CV. Okay, fair enough. Fair Castle enough. FM did in the early okay, days. That's important. That's important. <laughs> but the, yeah, City Beat Castle FM did, but the farmyard, no, no. I think that's the kind of thing that you keep to yourself, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not that you've actually broadcasted it here. It's going to go out, so it's, it is being recorded, so... Yeah. But if anything jumps to mind where it's either, you know, either not just funny, but something special, a special interview or a special situation that you had, maybe you described the Rory situation where when he won, or is there a situation that stands out? Um, I think um, in terms of standout moments and maybe highlights and stuff like that, it's it's covering covering the Champions League final, the, the Liverpool-Tottenham final in Madrid, um, covering the, the European Championships with Northern Ireland there as well. Um, and just FA Cup finals and things like that. that. That's been incredible looking back on to, to be able to be involved in those big occasions, um, covering all the sort of news angles around that. The recent, more recently, we had the, uh, we, I know we talked about it before, the European Super League. And, and it, for a channel like Sky Sports News, I have never known a week like that in, in my nine years as staff there. Um, I've been over, obviously, been there a bit longer than that if you include the freelance but in terms of just being over and living in London and working in London I've never known anything like that that was one of those rare stories that has captured the imagination of everybody and it changed all the time every day there was something different so uh, we were I mean it was all hands on deck with with that kind of um, with that story and you know in the in the middle of all that Jose Mourinho was sacked as Tottenham manager and I, I would cover Tottenham quite a bit as well so I was sent scrambled to the training ground as well to, to do all of that so um, I remember thinking how has Jose Mourinho dropped to like I think it was eight minutes uh, before the hour was up and normally when Mourinho sacked that dominates the whole hour but it was all Super League and they came to us at the end a little bit for uh, what was going on with Mourinho so it was um, it was just madness it was crazy and in terms of anything funny um, I, I don't know it, was, it wasn't funny at the time but I remember my first uh, live interview with the football department. It was a Crystal Palace Birmingham game. And it, Crystal Palace were in the championship. It was towards the end of the season and they were going for promotion. And I think um, I think they get stuffed. They definitely get stuffed. But I think it was 4-0 at home. And Ian Holloway was the manager at the time. And he, 
he was obviously he's got a reputation for being that sort of outgoing character. Anything can happen. He's he's a really likable uh, interviewee. He's always very interesting if you listen to him. But I remember having to interview him after he just had had been stuffed four 0 at home to Birmingham, and that, that, they did get promoted in the end. But at that point, it was like, oh, they're going to struggle, and and there were there was a feeling that the wheels maybe had come off. Um, so those types of live interviews are yeah. difficult because th- th- he still had the emotion of yeah. this interview was happening five minutes after the final whistle had gone. So we were in this little interview room and the, the door came swinging open there off the hinges and he, he wasn't, he'd clearly just been into the players and had a, had a go at them. And we've uh, started the interview and I kept it simple to start with. I was like, Ian, what are your thoughts? And, and he went on this long answer, sort of poured his heart out about, how the players didn't try and and he seemed he seemed quite down about it and my follow-up question was when he talked about specifically the players not caring I said does that hurt and as soon as I I said it I thought oh, it's, it's <laughs> and that's what happened he, he, he just said what do you think silly question son <laughs> and then there was this awkward silence so I had to quickly move on like, ah, do, you, do you think you should have had a penalty and uh, <laughs> you know, kind of like move on very quickly so that was a that was a looking back on it it was quite funny because it was a lesson yeah. early on just to you know you have to tighten up sometimes in your questions in this job it's like you do so many interviews a day a week and and yeah. sometimes it depends on the circumstances like you're going to ask a stupid question at some point so it's uh that was that was quite I think I think even the fact you're telling that story, the way you tell that story, it's just phenomenal, Paul, you know, because it really gives you, it gives you, you know, it's such an edge and it's lovely. It'll be lovely for people to hear that. Five people that you'd love to interview. Five people. And I'm um, sorry, I didn't prep prep these questions. You know, do you know what? Sir, give you a bit of thought. No, it's okay. Sir Alex Ferguson would be high up there. I've, I've never interviewed him. I would okay. love, to, love to interview him. Um, some of the others... I always wanted to interview um, people like I remember. I loved Gianfranco Zola mm. when I, when he played. I, I just loved watching him. He was yeah, just somebody who was yeah. sensational. And then interview. I've already interviewed him for the first you know first time, and he was he was an absolute gentleman as well. He was so nice, and you sort of think, oh, well, I'm glad he's like that because if you you know it's like when you're growing up and you love a player so much, and the, the don't turn out to be like that, it can be quite disappointing. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, probably Sir Alex Ferguson, I, I, just because of what he achieved in the game and, and how interesting he is. I know he's done a lot of interviews recently around this um, around this documentary he's done, and I just find him fascinating That's to listen it. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who else? Who else? If you five, give me five people. You have John, Who else? Zola. Um, I would have said Jose Mourinho if if I hadn't interviewed him already so, so I'm, I'm fortunate in that a lot of the people that would have been on my list oh no that's five people either you've sorry my fault either you've interviewed or the five top okay probably probably Mourinho I have to put Mourinho in there yeah, just yeah, yeah I like I like the, the the people that are not not only they've got this winning mentality but they're they're good personalities as yes, well yes, so yes. and they can leave you on edge I love it I love those interviews you go into yes. them and, and you have to be on your guard because anything can happen mm-hmm. um so yeah Sir Alex Ferguson, Marzola, uh, Jose Mourinho. Um, just, I always, I, again, as a player, loved Frank Lampard. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. I would have Frank Lampard on that list because uh, he, I, I found him to be very honest with the way he answered questions. 
and even the ones he didn't really want to answer because that's part of the job as a football manager, isn't it? Um, when you've got pressure being put on you from the club, like not to give away transfer targets or stuff like that. He'll you can still... imagine his emotions at the minute. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he, he played a big role in it. I mean, he, he's somebody who really believed in Mesa Mount, for example, mm-hmm. who's who's gone on just, he's gone from exploded. strength to strength. Yeah, yeah, and, exploded, exploded. I mean, what a year for him to be European champion and then yeah. to go to Euros. And that's, you know, that comes from, a confidence like that comes from people believing in you. And I think Frank Lampard defended him no matter what. He believed in him and, um, you know, it had shades of, do you remember that? There's, a, I think, a video doing the rounds when Frank Lampard was coming through and he was questioned and Harry Redknapp, there's that famous clip of Harry Redknapp saying on camera exactly what he thought of that question from, I think it was a West Ham fan at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And he um, he believed in him. So it's, it had, it's had shades of that, not quite on that scale, but Mourinho, um, Lampard, sorry, really has believed the Mount. So um, he, he, Lampard has, he deserves great credit for what's happened to Chelsea. But Tuchel is just, I think, a bit more experienced, isn't he? He's a more experienced manager. Not, not intimidated. Um, right, one more, last one. Yeah. One more, right? One more. Um, oh, there's bound to be somebody who comes to mind. Uh, I reckon. Do you know that's it? Probably it's a tough, tough one to throw at you. No, for, for, for in terms of actual um, good interviewees and just has that presence about him, Harry Kane. Yeah, I, I always love interviewing him because he he's the England captain. He uh, he come he, he just comes across well. He has that stature about him. He has he, he's a class act on and off the pitch. Um, so I, I would I would include Kane on that list, and then obviously I mean I've probably gone over now. That's that's five. So no, I can't. No, we're I, fine. We're fine. Kyle Lafferty from from our point of view, Kyle Lafferty. Yeah. You know you have to include yeah. him because he's he's such a character. And you, yeah. again, I love those kind of anybody who's a character, and you don't know what's going to happen. Um, Martin O'Neill must be always a good guy to interview. He seems such a, such a good guy. I've only talked to him a few times. A great guy. Yeah, I think any anybody who can handle himself quite well in that environment of live broadcasting will always be interesting. It's like people like even coming, people are coming to mind at the moment, Troy Deeney even, at what else, a bit of a random one, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. People no, they're, they're, they're all apart. And listen, and, and you know, the thing about it is, you know, those, and it's throwing those questions at you, you know, you do it to people all the time, you know, but in terms of those names, the fact that you're able to mention those names, that you have interviewed them, you have been around them. It's great for young people from Carrick Fergus to know that you can do this, you can achieve this, you know. Paul, listen, I, I, I know you're very busy. I really appreciate this time. It means an awful lot because we use this. We'll use this for a lot of the stuff that we do and we'll we'll let young people know that this this is it. And we'll do that with all of our guys, some on the way up the ladder. And you've still a long way to go. I mean, you're still achieving so much and we, we really hope that continues. So listen, I really appreciate your time. I know you're mad busy. There's a couple of stories breaking at the minute. I can see stuff coming out there. <laughs> I was going to yeah, we've got Conte to Spurs at the moment. So we're waiting on, on information coming in on that all the time. So it's, uh, that seemed, the talk seemed to be going well there. And it looks like Conte is going to be the next Tottenham manager. So it's going to be the next man. It's not, it's a, it was, it's not going to be Stephen Gerrard or anything like that. That's the main thing. No, definitely not Jarrah, but um, he he's probably going to end up at Liverpool, isn't he, at some point? Yeah, yeah, maybe, but by the way. But it's, no, but it is good because I think um, sometimes um, it's it's not an easy pathway and to get to get to any sort of job within a big company. So it's it's almost having, it's almost having that resilience to get over any setbacks because there's loads of setbacks along the way as well that you just have to 
try and grow it. So that, I think that would be any any key message to anybody who's starting out in any industry. Or, you know, just deal with the setbacks as well as you you know as well as you can and move on from them. Don't let don't let it impact or um, have a negative effect on any goals you may have or things you want to achieve. Brilliant. Paul, as an amateur interviewer, which I very much am, <laughs> um, I, I, I am privileged to interview you. You know, Sky Sports, Paul Gilmore, Sky Sports, um, Carrick Fergus, a legend of a mum. It's been an absolute privilege to Don't tell her spend that. a bit of time. Well, I'm, she'll probably say this, so she'll probably give me a big hug the next time. <laughs> Paul, it's and, been a pleasure. Thank you would so say, much. And what I would say is no, definitely not amateur because you've got the gift of the gab. If you've got that, that's not amateur. That's <laughs> well, it's it's called they call him a good slabber. Is that what they say in Northern Ireland? I'm a, I'm oh a good yeah, slabber. I I I used to hear all the time how much the um, how much the the students in Ulidia loved the lessons and loved the the interaction and uh, it, being that kind of people person as you are. Uh, I think that uh, I think that gets the best out of people and inspires people. Yeah, no, listen, that's a lovely thing to say. And I was, I, I definitely, I love my job. I love teaching, but I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying the charity. Sporty in his life is making big changes and we're doing big things. And this is why these interviews are so important. It means an awful lot to me for you to give the time it does. And, you know, I pray you were so humble when you came back and you said, listen, I'd love to do it. So it means an awful lot. Thank you very much, sir. No, thank you. Cheers for having me. Thank you.